Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This uh, past week, I got the pleasure, I didn't have to, but I got to help my parents decorate their house. So yesterday, during the game, um, I'm a Spartan fan, so I don't really care. I was hoping somehow they both would lose. Didn't happen. Sorry, Jason. Uh, But (laughs) uh, my parents needed help decorating their house. They're getting older, and I love doing it. Uh, And so as I was doing this and also watching the game, which became more and more interesting as time went on, uh, I remembered how when I was young, as I was enjoying moving things around and helping out, I remember when I was younger, I have three other brothers and sisters, and, uh, you know, Advent comes and post-Thanksgiving, you're getting ready the house, getting the house all ready for Christmas. I remember my parents asking us to do some, you know, clean out the garage or, or the basement or something like that, right? Because a lot of stuff's happening this month. And for some reason, it annoyed me. I don't get that. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for some reason, just how could I possibly move this one thing? So I, anyhow, uh, maybe you too understand that feeling. But I remember he would, Dad would tell us to go clean up, say, the basement. So we'd all go down there, you know, and clean it up. That's where we kind of played and everything. And, um, you know, then he'd go off and do something else. Her mom would. Nothing much would get. I mean, we'd start out sincerely doing, well, I'm not going to say that. Not sincerely. We'd start kind of cleaning, right? But as soon as, you know, Dad leaves... We're fooling around. You're playing some kind of game. It becomes less and less serious. And of course, now you're playing a game and you're laughing. But anytime four kids are together, especially brothers and sisters, that lasts for only so long. And then someone's going to be crying, right? So that's how it goes, right? And uh, so you think you can get away with it. And somehow, magically, when dad opens the door, you're going to get right back to work and clean it all up, right? And so, sure enough, someone's crying. He'd open the door, and you just kind of like pretend like you're doing something. I'm busy cleaning this. What? Now, do you think that worked? No. It was pretty obvious. I thought it did as a kid, but it was pretty obvious. Things weren't clean, and someone's crying. What the heck is going on here, right? I think that's how we think when we we, uh, consider the, the clear promise that Christ is coming again in glory, that there's an end to things and a beginning, you know, the end of the world, and God's coming, Right? I think we sort of think like it's a warning. You know, you, you better, just like dad, you know, uh, hey, dad's coming, look busy, right? And you've probably seen t-shirts, there's t-shirts, there's memes like this, Jesus is coming, look busy. And I think people think that, like he's coming again, oh my goodness, you better straighten up your life, clean it up, or else. Do you relate to this at all when you think of that, right? And maybe that works for you, maybe it causes you to wake up a little bit, Like, there is an end to things. Stop fooling around in this world. 
there is death, there is, a res- there is Christ coming again, straighten up. But I don't think that's the, that's the way that Paul is talking about Jesus coming again in the sense of scare. You know what I mean? Like, clean things up, straighten up your life, God's coming again, and you better look good. That's not how, in fact, it doesn't even work. It doesn't even work, right? So, if indeed I could suddenly just flip a switch, and once I know my dad's coming down the stairs, totally clean everything up, it wouldn't, I can't. It doesn't work. You make messes when you go down that road. People are crying. You can't just suddenly switch and make everything good so dad will be happy. It doesn't work. But that's not how Paul talks about Christ coming. It's not. Jesus is coming. Look busy. Straighten up your life. You better look good or else. He describes it in a very different way that's very important to get it also motivates you for how to act in a good way. Now look what he says in chapter 13 of Romans. After telling the Roman Christians that they need to love one another, he makes it really clear, you love one another. You put other people's needs above your own. He then says this, besides this, you know the time. In other words, you know what time it is. That the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. It doesn't sound like he's talking about this terrible day that's coming and you have to straighten up. Instead, he's talking about this day that's coming as if he's talking about Christmas. Salvation is near. That's a good thing. It sounds like someone saying that we are right now for our own kids. Christmas is coming. Get excited. And that's the motivation to maybe do things different in your life. Not I better or else, but the day is coming. Christmas is coming. Christ is coming. It's a new era. He talks about this not, he talks about it in the sense that Not only is it coming, but it's already here. A new day has dawned. I love how he says, the night is fading, the day is at hand. What time of the 24-hour period does that sound like to you? The dawn, right? Well, usually, before I lived here, Thanksgiving time, you get to go deer hunting. And I love hunting when, it's, when you're out early, when you have to be, anytime you have to be out somewhere early in the morning out in the woods. It's a beautiful time because it's dark, you get your spot, and then you just kind of, you're listening, you know, it's just, it's just beautifully dark and quiet. But then you see the, the dawn come, the light come, and just sort of filter through the, the leaves. It's slight, and you see things waking up. And it's just the most beautiful time of the day. And Paul's saying that's the time. The night, the darkness of fear, the unknown is gone, is fading forever. And a new day, not will, but has dawned. And it's like that dawn where you can kind of make things out. It's light, and you know that light's not going to go away. The day is coming. It's not going to go away. A new good thing is happening that's not going to go away. It's not a struggle. There's no big battle between good and evil. Not at all. The day has dawned. 
And right now you can see glimpses of that day. You can hear that day. Gentle ways, the baby in a manger, right? You can hear that day and you can see that day in gentle ways of God on a cross for you. An early Sunday morning resurrection. A new day, a new era, a new way to live has begun already in Jesus. And you can taste it when you come with shame and guilt today and you hear, take and eat, take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. I forgive you. And you can see it. You can see the glimpses and you can see the light shining around on people through his church as we love each other, as we forgive one another. The day is dawned, Paul says. It's not an if, it has happened when Christ was born. Christmas is not about an event, it's about a new age. And Paul says, it's already here, so wake up. Joyously, it's come. And then notice what he says next, and this is important. So the night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Live like people where you have light. Now what does that mean, darkness and light? Darkness, when you live in darkness, it means a couple things. It's hopelessness. When it's totally dark, you can't see out. You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know who's around you, right? It's confusing. It's frightening. And living in the light, you can see. You know it's going to be okay. Darkness and light. Paul uses this theme all the time. And then he says this, right? Walk properly as in the daytime. And, and listen to these things. I know that he says this too often that we should just ignore these words and what Paul's talking about. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. In other words, it's daytime. Why don't you walk like it? Stop living like you're in the darkness. He says, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality. And then when you think you're good, you're like, oh, I think I'm pretty good there. Not in quarreling and jealousy. <laughs> he always, whenever you're reading the law with Paul, he'll throw in stuff where you're like, yes, that's wrong. And then he'll throw in a little bit like gossip. You're like, ooh. And for him, it's all the same. <laughs> These are the works of darkness. Now, why is that? When you're in darkness and you don't know, you don't believe in a future, you don't have any way out, you either become absolutely hopeless and self-pity, Right? I'm going nowhere, this isn't working, and you just crumble. And there's people in prob you probably know they're like that. But you also could be incredibly brash. Like, screw it. I don't know what's going to happen. There is no future, and there is no past. I just came here by accident. What does that make you? Self-centered. So I'm just going to live for the day in this darkness, do whatever makes me feel good. And all the things that Paul mentions are things that are absolutely satisfying yourself for the moment. Did you notice this? Sensuality, right? The, all those things he's mentioned, it's not just physical, but jealousy too, right? Why are you jealous? Because all you can think about is yourself and what you don't have. 
want somebody else. You don't see other human beings anymore. Because in the darkness, you increasingly see yourself as just an animal for the day with no meaning or purpose, and therefore carpe diem for yourself. But also you treat others the same way. It's in the dark. You can't really see them. You just use them for you. Paul says, throw that off. That's what it's like living in the darkness, like animals satisfying your little desires, whatever that might be. Thinking that the most important thing in the world is being you. You're the king of that little tiny cave that you created. That's what it's like to live in the dark. If there is no God and if there is no future, it's probably true. You're God. Do what you want to. But the joke is, it hurts you. And it hurts others, living for yourself, living in that darkness. And I think this is very important for us today. We talked about downstairs in our Bible study that we're tempted to think like this in this day and age. I think more than ever, we're just inundated with commercials and just everything is about satisfying yourself and your personal dream of who you are. Even reinventing yourself, but it's very selfish, it's not just, it could be commercial, it could be all these different aspects, but our whole culture has replaced some sort of other being and put you as the center of it. And that sounds good, but you're the worst god of any religion there could be. You're the worst master of any slavery. You're actually the most judgmental person. Do you know this? You actually, when you're god in your little domain or king, you're the most tyrannical about yourself, about the world, and with others. Wake up, Paul says. And he doesn't tell you to cast those things off because if you don't, you're going to hell. He's not saying that. He's saying, wake up. That's what it's like to live in hopelessness. It doesn't work. It's a dead end. So he's not saying, you better stop because Jesus is coming back. That's not how he's talking. He's saying, you're not that person with no hope living just for the day today. You know something better. The light has dawned on you. You know that you are loved even though you're a sinner. You know that you're forgiven. You know who God is and you know what he thinks about you. He actually loves you. And you know where you came from and you know where you're going and it's going to be okay. So wake up. And see God's love for you. But also, when you do that, you wake up and you see other people. Not as objects to use for yourself, but as other human beings. Sinners like you, that God made and Jesus died for. And you treat them differently when you're really awake. And you're living like someone that knows the day has dawned and is coming. And you're not hiding in the shadows anymore. Wake up, Paul says. And finally he says this. He doesn't say it judgmentally. He just says, why are you doing that? It's dumb. Then he goes on and says this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Put on the Lord. He says this all the time. You're in Christ. A Christian is in Christ. You put on Christ. It's not a law, like you got to go find this. It's basically you've been given it. 
In baptism, you've been given the clothing of Jesus. You've been covered by him. He has covered you in his death and resurrection. You are forgiven. You will rise again. And he's clothed you with that. He has put a, he, that's what happens in baptism. And Paul's saying, grab that. You know, every day, what is it? Every day, wake up, realize, what am I doing, right? Forgive me, Lord. I'm treating other people terribly. But you douse those sins into the waters of baptism, to the forgiveness of Jesus. You put on Jesus. I am forgiven, and I will rise again. That's what that means. You get to put on Jesus Christ every morning. A positive message of walking in the day that compels you to treat others like Jesus would treat them. Why? Because he has treated you with such grace and mercy. I encourage you to walk in the lights this season. Advent, good time to get in the habit. One good way of doing it is we have a subscribe devotion. Go online, click it. There's a QR code there. Or go online for it. Every day we've got a re- I challenge you to read scripture every day and read a little devotion with it. That's one great way to be in the light, remembering his promises to you. So grab, take a hold of that. Of course, church services. These are ways that we walk in the light. And I encourage you to get back in the light this Advent. Join me in leaving darkness and uh, coming into the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.